0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Sherlock Holmes, episode titled The Valley of Fear, where Sherlock Holmes probes revenge and treachery, linking a country home with 1890s American secret societies. This will be a two-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this nostalgic mystery radio. Thank you for listening.
1: It was the 4th of February in the year 1875 and the snow lay deep in the gorges of the Gilmerton Mountains. The evening train which connects the long line of coal mining and iron-working settlements was slowly groaning its way from Stagville on the plain to Vermissa at the head of the Vermissa Valley, Pennsylvania. This is the most desolate corner of the United States of America.
2: Absence patch! Hobson's patch! Next stop!
1: The oil lamps in the leading passenger car shone down on some 20 or 30 people. At least a dozen by their grind faces and safety lanterns, proclaimed themselves as miners. The rest were women of the labouring class, local shopkeepers, two burly individuals in police uniform, and a young man, fresh-faced, large-eyed and smiling. A young man clearly of a sociable and possibly a simple disposition.
3: Pardon me, friend.
4: Are you speaking to me? Did he say it
3: was Vermeser next?
1: No.
4: I haven't missed it, have I? We're You haven't missed it. Oh, good, good. I thought I might have. It's a dark night. What did you see? It's a dark night. And dark nights are unpleasant. Yes, for strangers to travel. <coughs> Put it there, brother. <laughs> brother. Vermisses <laughs> another two stops. Thank you, friend.
1: And the young man turned his grey eyes to the window and stared out into the night. The flames of furnaces roared and leapt in the darkness, and against their lurid background, dark shapes were bending and straining, twisting and turning, winch and windlass moving to the rhythm of an eternal clank and roar. You know what?
4: I guess Hal must look something like that.
5: The Valley of Fear by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. With Clive Medicine as Sherlock Holmes and Michael Williams as Dr John Watson. Ian Glenn as John McMurdo, and Ronald Pickup as the narrator. Episode 1, The Scourers.
4: Find something else to occupy your mind? Huh? Well, if I could, you think I would doing this? <coughs> very mm. probably, yes. Mm. Isn't there anything in the post? Hmm? Haven't looked. Why on earth not? <laughs> because there's no point. Why should today be any different from yesterday or the day before, or the day before that? No, oh, it's very logical. Look at the damn post. Nothing, nothing. No, no, no. Ah.
6: Hmm.
4: You know, I'm inclined to think. Are you? I can't say I've noticed. for God's sake, Holmes. Just because you've had nothing to occupy you for a couple of weeks. Five you weeks. You don't have. All right, then five weeks. You still don't have to take it out on me. five long, sterile weeks in which the only intellectual problem that's presented itself is what fatuous interruption I can expect from you. Now hey, you're not even making sense. If you've had nothing to think about, how can I have interrupted you? Dear God, I must be the most long-suffering individual in London. Coffee? No thank you. And this morning, I do have something to think about. so there was something in the post. Yes. Well, you're welcome what nothing is it important holmes the letter is it important vitally important it's porlock's writing i've only seen it twice before but it's definitely porlock's writing and who's porlock porlock is a nom de plume an identification mark but beyond that i've no idea you know i live in hope that one day we might actually have a normal conversation you don't know who he is, and you've only seen his writing twice before, but you're behaving as if his letter's a matter of life and death. Look. Are oh, you sure I'm trustworthy enough? I'd hate to say something fatuous and... Holmes. Interesting, isn't it? 534C21373631 Holmes, what is this? There's every chance it's exactly what you said it was. A matter of life and death. You didn't tell me this was your stop, too, brother. Wait. Uh, Okay, now we can talk. You never know who's listening. Well, I guess not. Brother Mike Scanlon, Lodge 341 Vermissa. Brother John McMurdo, Lodge 29, Chicago. Body Master J. H. Scott. The clouds are heavy. Yes, a storm is approaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in luck to meet a brother so early. There are plenty of us about in the valley. What brings you here? I heard there was work for a willing man. And there's none in Chicago. Oh, I found plenty. Then why did you leave? Seemed like a good idea. Where are you staying? Here. Someone back home put me on to it. Jacob Shafter, Sheridan Street. You know it. <laughs> I know it's... You'll find precious few brothers staying there. But I dare say it'll do you for now. I'll walk with you. What's he like? This Jacob Shafter. He's as honest a man as you'll find in this town.
1: Then lead on, brother. This way. They turned their faces into the freezing wind and walked together through the rutted paste of muddy snow that formed the main street of Vermissa. In the long and gloomy valley, there had at least been a certain grandeur. But the town showed nothing but a dead level of mean ugliness and squalor.
4: Pollock isn't
1: important in himself, it's the man he's in touch with who matters.
4: Just imagine the um, the jackal and the lion, no, no rather yes, the um, the pilot fish. And the shark. Mm, He works for a criminal. Hmm, But in truth, he's rather more on my side of the law than his master's, on occasion, at least. Mm, An informant. Not purely out of the goodness of his heart, presumably. Watson, you're a cynic. Mm, A realist. Well, the occasional ten-pound notes found its way from me to him, yes. It was money well spent. This is advance warning of some devilry. A string of numbers. And one letter. And three words. Douglas, Burlston, Burlston. What do you make of it? 534 C2, thirteen seven 36, 31, 17, 21, Douglas. Uh, words on the page of a book. You think so? Mm, no doubt about it. It's Porlock's usual method. Why are some words written out? It, ah, because he couldn't find them in print. Exactly. So, which book? I don't know. But without a title, we can't do a thing. Watson... M- You have an an unerring ability to keep us flat-footed on the ground. This here is old man Shafter's place. Thanks. Well, I guess I'll be seeing you at the lodge. Count on it. Regular meeting's Friday. There's a hall behind the Union Saloon on Main Street. Nine o'clock. Right. But if you know what's good for you, you report to the bodymaster as soon as you can. Boss McGinty's the man. Councillor Jack McGinty. It's him who owns the saloon. What's he like? You never heard of Boss McGinty? How could I? I'm a stranger in these parts. I thought his name was known clear across the country. It's been in the papers often enough. In the papers? What for? Good God, man, what's the matter with you? Because of the scourers. What are the scourers? Are you joking with me, friend? How would I be doing such a thing? You really don't know about the scholars. I've never heard the name before. Well, you'll find out soon enough. Now, listen, you take my advice. Report in as soon as you can. I guess I'll settle in here first. If you say so. Excuse me. Good night, Brother Scanlon. Good health to you, Brother McMurdo. <clears throat>
2: your head th- oh um, oh I'm sorry
4: No, oh, please miss don't be apologizing that's as pleasing a shade of red as ever I've seen
7: I thought you were my father
4: no that I'm not no so would you be having a place by your hearth for a weary traveler 534C213. Will he send you the title? By the next post. All we have to do is wait. All we have to do is wait. You know, uh, you should be grateful for the code. I should. Why? Oh, because of the suspense. You can't deny. It makes for a better story.
3: And if you come when all the flowers are dying And I am dead, as dead I well may be You'll come and find the place where I am lying And kneel and say an Ave there for me John
1: McMurdo was a man who made his mark quickly. Wherever he was, the folk around soon knew it. When the honest foremen and commonplace clerks who were Shafter's boarders gathered of an evening, it was McMurdo's jokes which were the readiest, his conversation the brightest, and his song the best.
3: And I shall hear those soft you tread above me and all my dreams will warmer, sweeter be for you will bend and tell me that you love me and I shall sleep in peace until you come to me. Thank you, Miss Shafter. That was as fine about the piano playing as I've heard.
7: Oh, Mr. McMurdo, that was so lovely. Wasn't that lovely, Father?
3: You sing like a bird, my friend. Ah, not like the birds in Ireland, sir.
4: In the old country, the angels themselves fly down when the birds are singing to take lessons. And sure... The hills are so fair and the lakes are so blue that they think they're still in
3: heaven.
1: You make it sound so beautiful. Why did you ever leave to go roving?
3: Ah, no, that's a tale for another day. A story of wonder and
4: wistfulness, so it is.
1: Promise you'll tell it to me sometime.
4: Would you really like to hear
3: it? You wouldn't be fooling with me.
1: Oh, no, I wouldn't be fooling.
3: Miss Shafter, one day you'll know everything there is to know about me. I give you my word.
7: Was it because of a woman?
3: What was that now?
7: That you went adventuring. Did you leave behind a wife in County Monaghan?
3: A wife? No. No, I've no wife. Sure, I've never found the right Colleen. Not until now, that is.
4: No! Don't say that! What? You mustn't!
7: I'm... There's someone else.
4: What do I care about that? I love you, Etty. But...
7: You've not been here a week. You can't be serious. Yes, I can. Oh, God, I don't know. John, I want to believe you,
4: but I can't. I mustn't. Etty, why are you so
6: scared? Well, you
1: mustn't ask me.
6: She's right to be scared, Mr. Shafter. And you should be scared, too.
4: Damn. What does he say? It's too dangerous. He suspects me. Burn the code message, Porlock. Damn the man. Oh, how can he be so careless? For God's sake, he might be in terrible danger. (sighs) Where's that first letter? Oh, you threw it on the table here. Shall I burn it for you? No, but it's what he wants you to do. I don't care. This is too important to drop. But it's useless. We can't decode it. Can't we?
6: My Eddie's already pledged to Ted Baldwin...
3: Who the devil's Ted Baldwin? He's one of the scourers. Well, the scourers again. It seems to me in this town it's scourers here and scourers there and always in a whisper. Who are these people? They're a murder society. What?
6: And when they don't murder, they maim and destroy. They make good men pay them for protection and they arrange for for accidents if the man is not there, regular as clockwork. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Then why haven't they been brought to justice? No one dares to speak against them. Well, I've never heard of these scours. They also call themselves the Ancient Order of Free Men. The scourers are the free men? So, you've heard of them at least.
3: Heard of them? Sure. I'm a member myself. You? But why shouldn't I be? The Ancient Order stands for charity and good fellowship.
6: In some places, maybe. Not here. Show me your proof.
3: <laughs> There's no proof. Someone to see you, McMurdo. Who is it?
4: It's me, McMurdo. Mike Scanlon.
0: I'll
3: be right there. Mr Shafter,
6: it's me brothers you're after insulting. You prove what you're saying, or you apologise. You can find other lodgings in the morning, mister. And keep away from my daughter. Well... Go and talk to your scourer friend.
4: Why the devil haven't you reported to the bodymaster? I've been busy. Had to find a job. Good Lord, man. You should have gone to him the minute you came here. You're a fool. A fool am I? What? What's happened to you? That's my affair. Sh- sure, sure. No offence meant. But listen. Don't set yourself against Boss McGinty, brother. Don't do it. Will he be at the saloon now? Oh, yes. Right. Now, the reference is to a book. Hmm? That's our point of departure. Pretty vague one. Perhaps there are points which have escaped your Machiavellian intellect. Perhaps there are limits to my patience. Mm -hmm. If there were, I would have driven you to them years ago. Uh... A book, a book... Now, ah, what clues do we have? None. No, no, no. It's not quite as bad as that. Now, now look here. Now, how does it begin? 534 C2 1310. Mm, but the 534 is larger than the other numbers. Yes, obviously. No, 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 no. no. Written larger. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, it yes, is. It is, because 534 is the page number. Holmes, if you know all the answers, why are we playing this? I don't know game. all the answers. I merely know how the code works, and this is no game. All right, 534. So. Our book's become a large book. C2. Chapter 2? Hardly. For one thing, if we have the page, the chapter number's immaterial. And for another, if page 534 only finds us in the second chapter... Then the first must have been pretty intolerable. Column 2. Brilliant, Watson. You're scintillating this morning. (laughs) A large book printed in double columns. Now, this man, Porlock, he wouldn't have used just any book. For the code to work, it had to be a book... That you could lay your hands on. Yes. He has a copy, and he expected me to have one, too. In short, it's a very common book. The Bible? No, too many different editions. Mm. <sighs> no, Purok knew for certain that his page 534 would agree exactly with my page 534. Mm. <clears throat> Bradshaw's Railway Timetables. Now Bradshaw's vocabulary is nervous and tense, but somewhat limited. No, 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 not really suitable. Uh, dictionary? No, no, no. There's too many different ones. And what's left? An almanac.
1: Whittaker's Almanac, excellent, Watson. The atmosphere of Councillor McGinty's saloon was blurred with tobacco smoke and heavy with the smell of spirits. The man himself was a black-maned giant, swarthy as an Italian, with eyes that were deep, dark and dead. Well, young
8: man, I can't call your face to mine. I'm new here, Mr. McGinty. Not so new that you can't give a gentleman his proper title. He's Councillor McGinty, stranger. I'm sorry, a councillor. John McMurdo. I was advised to see you. Well, you see me. This is all there is. <laughs> what do you think of me?
3: Well, it's early days. But if your heart's as big as your body and your soul's as fine as your face, then I'd ask for nothing better. <laughs> By God, you've got
8: an Irish tongue in your head anyhow. Who told you to see me? Brother Scanlon, Lodge 341. It's a dark night. And dark nights are
1: unpleasant.
8: Yes.
4: For strangers to travel. Brother Baldwin. What? Baldwin? Ted Baldwin? What if I am? I've something to say to you. And suppose I don't want to hear it. You'll listen whether you
8: like it or not.
1: Oh, I will, will I?
8: That's enough. Brother Baldwin, escort Mr. McMurdo through to my private room. Now, Brother McMurdo, stay uh, exactly where you are and keep your hands where I can see them. A gun barrel's a strange sort of welcome.
3: They don't take people on trust in the valley. Where were you made? Lodge 29, Chicago. When? June 24th,
8: 1872. Body
3: master. James H. Scott. Uh,
8: district ruler?
3: Bartholomew Wilson. Why did you leave Chicago? I'm damned if I'll tell you that.
8: Quiet! Answer the question.
3: I was helping Uncle Sam to make dollars. (laughs) That's your great secret? (laughs) You're a coiner? I was a coiner. Then I moved up some. I killed a man. Ah, you're all talk.
8: You don't have the guts. Why did you kill him?
3: He threatened to squeal on me to the cops.
8: (laughs) And so you killed him. Why would you come
4: here? Because I read in the papers you weren't too particular in these parts.
8: Yeah, so you claim to be a murderer, and you came to my town because you thought you'd be welcome. Mm-hmm.
3: That's about the
8: size of it. Regular Lodge meetings Friday.
3: I know it. All behind the saloon. Nine o'clock. Be there.
7: Whitaker's Almanac. <clears throat> right.
4: Yes. Rather reserved in the beginning. Positively garrulous towards the end. Page 534. Column 2. Column 2. The trade and resources of British India. The first number's 13. 13. Maratha. Hmm. Not a very auspicious beginning. Seven. Government. Hmm. Well at least that makes sense. Doesn't seem particularly relevant, though. Mm. What's next? 36. 36. Well, what does the Maratha government do? Holmes? The next word is pig's bristles.
3: John! John! Wait! Oh, Eddie.
4: What are you doing up
3: at this hour? Where's your father?
4: Still asleep. I had to see you before you went.
3: He's forbidden me to talk to you.
1: I know. I know. Where will you go?
3: I've got a room at another house. Widow Magna Morris. Some f- friends arranged it.
7: I know the place. John,
5: I'll try to see you there.
3: Etty. Baldwin.
5: Father shouldn't have told you. I'm
3: not scared of a man like Baldwin. Well, you
5: should be. Oh, John, why couldn't you have come here sooner?
4: And if I had, suppose I'd been first.
7: I wish to God you had been.
3: Even though I'm a freeman, too. But
7: not like them. You could never be like them. You don't know what they're like.
3: Oh, my love.
4: I know more than you think. Maratha government pig's bristles. I suppose it couldn't be a code within a code. <sighs> not exactly Porlock's style, I'm afraid. Uh, uh, i was sure we had it. Shall I try Bradshaw? Yes, yes, why not? No, 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 we were right. But it doesn't make sense, because we're too up to date. What's the day today? Uh, January the 7th. Uh, we're before our time, and we suffer the usual penalties. Oh, where is it? Where's what? the 7th of January have we very properly laid in the new almanac. But Paul probably used the old
2: one. Exactly.
4: Ah. The coal
7: scuttle? Yes.
4: Now, let's start again.
3: The <laughs> men The astral fell, but the foreman's chain Could not bring that proud soul longer The harp he loved ne'er spoke again For he tore its cords asunder And said, no change shall sully thee Thou soul of love and brave. were made for the pure and free, they shall never sound in
4: With me brother. <laughs> Take my advice, man. Set yourself up for the meeting tonight. I'll put your money away, brother.
3: Councillor, another round for my good friends here. Yeah! Throwing your money around, I McMurdo? I'd buy you a drink, brother Baldwin, but sure,
4: my pocket's suddenly empty. I've been down to Jacob Shafter's. I've had
3: uh, words with his daughter. Well, have you now? And what did she tell you?
8: Are you two fighting over some woman?
3: I say my claim has priority. And I say she should be free to choose between us.
8: Free to choose? And what does a body master say? No brother can lay a claim over another. The woman's free to choose. (laughs) And that's your ruling, is it? It is. That's an end of it. Oh, no, it's not. What did you say? You're not body master for life, Jack McGinty. And by God, the next time it comes to a vote... I I don't believe I appreciate being talked to in that fashion, brother Baldwin. Maybe you think if I was voted down, then you'd find yourself in my shoes. Is that what you think? and maybe you're right but so long as i'm the chief i'll have no man lift his voice against me or my rulings do you understand me i understand
2: can a body get through the bar in this house Uh,
8: never let it be said an officer of the law couldn't get a drink in my saloon make way there lads thank you counselor whiskey straight You'll
2: be the new captain. Captain Marvin. I'll be looking to you, councillor, and all of you other good citizens to help me uphold the law in this town. We've got our own police in Vermissa.
8: We don't need any imported goods.
3: Especially not the paid tools of the mine owners. Well, well. John
2: McMurdo. You know me, copper. (laughs) Oh, I know a Chicago killer when I see one. I was on the force there before I came to this damn coal bunker. We couldn't make anything stick back then. Perhaps I'll be luckier here.
4: Now, page 534. This, second column, word 13, there. Much more promising. Mm -hmm. Seven. Seven. Is, there is. 36. Ah. What? What does it say? There is danger.
8: In the candidate Unbind his hands, leave his side, John McMurdo. Are you already a member of the ancient order of freemen? I am. Your lodge?
3: Lodge 29, Chicago.
8: Dark nights are unpleasant.
3: Yes, for strangers to travel.
8: The clouds are heavy.
3: Yes, a storm is approaching.
8: Are the brethren satisfied? Aye. Aye! Brother McMurdo, we know by sign and countersign that you are indeed one of us. But in this county, and in other counties of these parts, we have certain rights and duties of our own. Are you ready to be tested? I am. Are you of stout
3: heart? I am of stout heart.
8: Can you bear pain?
3: As well as any man.
8: Test him.
4: (laughs) I can take more than that. (laughs) Remove.
1: John McMurdo looked down at his right arm. There, on the flesh of the forearm, a wisp of smoke still rising from it, was a clear-cut circle with a triangle within it, deep and red, the brand mark of the scourers.
8: It's done. Ah, right, it's done. Read it back,
4: Doctor. There is danger. Confidence is pressing Douglas. Rich countryman, Bolston House, Bolston. <sighs> what do you think of pure reason and its fruits? <laughs> if the greengrocer had such a thing as a laurel wreath, I'd send Mrs Hudson round to fetch it. It's a pretty curt sort of message. Oh, he's done remarkably well and you've only got a single column to choose words from, you're bound to have to leave something to the intelligence of your reader, which, fortunately, was well up to the task. Some devil is planned against a Mr Douglas, a rich country gentleman of Burlston House. Burlston. Whatever that is, confidence is pressing. Really, Watson, you're supposed to have a way with words. Poor Rock's confident that the danger's pressing. Confidence was the best he could do. Ah, can we find this Douglas and save him? Of course we can. Ah, hello. A visitor. A client? Oh, that ring had an unmistakable touch to it. Uh, That's all right, Mrs Hudson. The gentleman knows the way. Who is it? Uh, You're an early bird, Mr Mack. Ah. I wish you luck with your worm. Come Uh, in. Come in. Good morning to you, Mr Holmes. Doctor. Inspector Macdonald. Yeah, I fear this means there's some mischief afoot. Oh, now if you'd said hope instead of fear, it'd be nearer the truth, I'm thinking. <laughs> Cigarette inspector? I no, I won't smoke, thank you. I must be pushing on my way. The early hours of a case are the precious ones, as you both know full well. But Mr. Mack, what's wrong? This note? Man, this is witchcraft! Well, hardly there. Mr. Holmes, where did you get this? Why? What's amiss with it? Amiss with it? Douglas at Burlston House? You know him? Well, I'd hardly say I know him, Doctor. Jack Douglas. He bought the manor house in Burlston, in Sussex, some ten years back. An American gentleman.
8: Brother John McMurdo, in the name of Lodge 341, Vermissa Valley, I welcome you to its privileges and debates. Do you stand by your oaths of fidelity and secrecy?
4: I do so stand. Well, we must get a warning to him. He's in danger. I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes. We can't do that. Why not, man?
8: And do you accept the penalty for disloyalty and disobedience?
4: I do. If I should break my vow to my brothers... May I be hunted down across this country or any other and put to a most deserving and inevitable death? Why not? Because he was horribly murdered late last night. That's why not.
8: So it is sworn. Aye!
4: I want to know exactly how you came by this note. Well, actually... Watson wrote it. Said to your dictation, Holmes. Eh, True enough. We decoded it, Mr Mack. Here's the original. Ah, a secret code, is it? Well, it seems to me I can have the case cleared up in no time. All I have to do is lay my hands on the man who sent you this. And how do you propose to do that? I was rather assuming you'd tell me. I have no idea who he is or how to contact him. I thought you sent him money. On occasion. Posted to Camberwell post office. And you've never troubled to see who called for the letters. When he first got in touch with me, I gave him my word that I wouldn't try to trace him. You give your word to a criminal? Mm? It wasn't the first time and it won't be the last. Oh, Mr But Holmes. this is all beside the point. It's the man behind, Paul Locke you should be after. The man behind him? The man responsible for your murder. Well, who is he? His name is Moriarty. Oh. Uh. I've never heard of him. Maybe not, Doctor, but I have. Ah, so he's known to the police. Oh, aye, he's known right enough. Professor James Moriarty is one of the most respected academics in the country. He has honorary doctorates from Oxford and Cambridge. He writes books that no one else in the world can understand, and he lectures in mathematics. The perfect cover. Oh, Mr Holmes, I really don't want to go through all this again. Moriarty is behind this murder. <laughs> hey!
1: Following the ceremony of initiation, drinks were produced and strong liquor flowed freely. All were anxious to raise a glass to this new brother, who stood firm before policemen and never flinched under the branding iron. They rolled back their sleeves and compared their marks and shared their stories. All had gone through the test, though few as bravely as young John McMurdo.
8: First item on the agenda the pension to Jim Carnaway's widow. Brother Treasurer? Bodymaster, the companies have all been, uh, generous lately. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Carnaway will be well looked after. Yes. Very good. Item two I've had a request from Lodge 249, Merton County. They've a job to be done, too sensitive for the local brothers. The target? This Andrew Ray, manager of Ray and Sturmash, co-owner of... Body Bodymaster! Brother Scanlon.
4: With all respect, I know Merton County. Ray and Sturmash is just a two-man company. What of it? If we kill this man, Charlie Sturmash will sell up and move out. And then it'll be just like the others. One of the big companies from New York at Philadelphia will buy up the mine. If we carry on like this... Soon there won't be any small firms left. Bloody good riddance. Oh, right. But we can't control the big companies. They're just too powerful. We
8: can control any size company. Oh, yeah. I'll not have any yellow scaremongering in this lodge, Scanlon. Either you stand with us or you go the same way as Donaghan and Williams last year. Choose. We stand with the lodge. See that you do. Or it'll be your name on the agenda one of these days. Lodge 249 asks for two men. Brother Cormack. Bast. Brother Wilson. Bodymaster. If you need another man, I take it as an honour to be chosen. They ask for two, McMurdo. Two is what they'll get. Item three. There's one man in this town that wants trimming up. James Stanger, editor of the Herald. Have you read this brother's reign of terror in the Coal and Iron District? A criminal organization in our midst? Kill him! It's what he deserves. But there'll be more trouble than we need just now. I want him warned, not killed. Brother Baldwin. Boss! You can fix it. My pleasure. I'll take three men. Uh, Mansell, O'Brien, Willoughby. And McMurdo. McMurdo? That's my ruling.
4: Hey! Uh, his arms. Help, help!
8: No! Help! Stanger, this'll teach you to print your damn lies, eh? call me a trimmer, eh? There you go. Easy, man. Uh, Baldwin,
4: for the love of God. Shut him up. Uh, that's enough. Uh, Keep out of this. That's enough, I said.
8: Get your hands off me, you damn traitor.
3: Stand away from
4: him, Baldwin, or I'll blow your face off.
2: By God, you are a Traitor. For God's sakes, hurry yourselves. The street's awake. Go on, lads. Scatter. Ted,
4: come on, man. I'm coming.
3: McMurdo, don't think that this is over.
4: Now, Inspector... Give us the facts. Mr Jack Douglas was found dead just before midnight last night. Extensive injuries to the head. No arrest has been made. Those are the main points from the official report. Mm, What about the unofficial report? Now, what makes you think there is one? Oh, come on, Mr Mack. Takes a lot more than that to bring you round to Baker Street. Ah. Aye, Doctor. You're quite right. Here you are, gentlemen. A private note from the local man. White Mason. Very reliable. Mr Holmes. Mac, don't waste a second. Extraordinary features, perplexing details. Bring Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson if you can. This case is a snorter. Counselor McGinty, this is an honor.
8: Uh, I'm not usually much of a visitor, but I thought I'd stretch a point.
3: I hear you pulled a gun on Brother Baldwin last night. I did, and I'd do it again. Where I come from, the orders of a bodymaster are to be
4: obeyed without question. Baldwin was set to murder the man.
3: He called you a damn traitor. And at any other time, I'd have killed him for it. But it was more important to get the men away and protect the lodge. <laughs>
8: You did the right thing. I'm grateful.
2: Freeze the pair of you!
8: What's the meaning of this, Marvin? I
2: thought you'd be getting into trouble, Mr. Crooked McMurdo. You're coming with us.
8: What am I being accused of? This man is a friend of mine. I'll answer for his conduct. Is
2: that so? Well, Mr. McGinty, you may have to answer for your own conduct one of these days. Give me a pistol, McMurdo.
4: There. But I'll ask you again, Captain... What is it you think I've done?
2: You were involved in the beating of old Stanger at the Herald office last night.
8: (laughs) Drop this now, Marvin. Save yourself a deal of trouble. What's that supposed to mean? This man was with me in my saloon last night. We played poker till first light. And I can bring a dozen witnesses to prove it. Not guilty. Yes! drink of that. Thanks. It's (laughs) That's a fine drop of whiskey. (sighs) My own stock.
3: I'm honored. My thanks to you, body master. The lodge protects its own. It was a lucky thing old Stanger didn't get a better look at us.
8: He shouldn't have got any sort of look. Baldwin should have doused the lamp first thing. He's getting careless.
3: You sure that's all
4: he is? You sure he didn't want us to be seen? Some of us, at least.
8: Careful, McMurdo. It's not your place to question a brother's loyalty.
4: Counselor, if a brother calls me traitor, then I can return the favor.
8: Is that what they say in Chicago?
4: It's what I say. <laughs> I do have some information on the murdered man. This Douglas was something of a local hero. Pulled a man out of a burning building when everyone else had given up. What's his household? Uh, him and his wife. Just a few servants. And he's an American, you say? Well, that's what I'm told.
6: Mrs Douglas, too?
4: No, she's a local lady. Quite the beauty, it seems. And a fair bit younger than her husband. Mm. Who discovered the body? A house guest, Mr. Cecil Barker. Do you know anything about him? Well, he's often there, apparently. A friend of Mr. Douglas or his wife? Ah, I see what you're thinking, Doctor, but it was Mr. Douglas he was close to. A friend from the old days. In the Californian goldfields, so they say.
5: Oh, my God.
3: Etty. For
1: pity's sake, John.
3: You shouldn't go sneaking up on a body like that. I wanted to see you. And I try and strangle you? Oh, oh, come here, my darling. Let me make it up to you. Why were you so scared of me? Sure, I, I was thinking of other things. Come on. Come here. John! Now, come on. Make your heart easy. Let me see you smile.
2: How can I be easy when I know you're one of them? A criminal!
3: We're just poor men trying to get our rights.
2: Give it up, John. I beg you.
3: I can't break my oath. I can't desert my comrades.
7: Not even for me.
4: Not even for you. (laughs) Girl Stone Manor, gentlemen.
2: Thank you. That's not a housing. It's a fortress.
4: Aye. that's the want for that? Jacobean <coughs> built on the ruins of something much older. Probably 11th century. <laughs> that really would have been a fortress. This is enough of one for me. A moat and a drawbridge. One. Oh, that drawbridge still works. Have you seen the oil on the chain? Not from here, no. And the winding gear's almost new. Interesting. This Mr. Douglas valued his security. Jacobean, you say? Yes, why? Oh, I was just thinking. This house has seen three centuries of births and homecomings, of country dances and hunts and happiness. Thank you, Watson.
7: And now, in its old age, this tragedy... Mind you, it's a fit setting for a murder. Silent as a churchyard and dark as a tomb. Beautifully put.
4: You'll probably double the circulation of the Strand magazine.
7: Mr. MacDonald? Oh, White Mason. Gentlemen, good morning to you. Good morning. Oh, Dr. Watson. I hope we'll all have a place in the book when the time comes, eh? <laughs> Mr. Holmes? Mr. Whitemason? Oh, this is something after your own heart, gentlemen. A snorter. A real snorter.
4: Dear God. He was found in exactly this position.
7: Yes, sir, he was. We moved the gun, but that were all. Where exactly was the gun? Across his chest. Hmm. Excuse me. Uh, yes. Yeah.
4: Hmm. It was a double-barrel shotgun. It was. One barrel wouldn't have been enough to destroy that much of the skull. You agree, Watson? Yes, I'm afraid I do. Two barrels fired at very close range, full in the face. The angle of the shots is almost vertical. Powder burns on his dressing car. Are you sure this was murder, Inspector? (coughs) Details. That's what's important in this life. You get the details right, the rest will take care of itself. Don't ever get tired of the sound of your own voice, McMurdo. Not half as tired as I do of yours, Baldwin.
8: That's enough. Brother Baldwin, get back to your beer. Brother McMurdo. A word. I'm
4: beginning to have my doubts, Doctor. White Mason, I hope you've not brought us down here
7: for nothing. I don't think so. Though it's true that everyone's first thought was for suicide. Mr Barker, Ames the butler, the housekeeper. what about Mrs Douglas? What was her reaction when she saw the body? She didn't. Mr Barker managed to stop her before she could come in here. Indeed. You're about to tell
4: us the evidence for murder.
8: I want an end to this business between you and Baldwin.
3: Uh, we're all at each other's throats just in a minute. That mess up with the Steve Bird job didn't help. Uh, Bird was warned.
8: He must have been warned. Too many jobs have been going wrong lately. We might have a squealer.
3: Not necessarily. That new captain's too sharp for his own good. Maybe. You want him taken care of?
8: Uh, It's too
4: risky. This is a war. There's always going to be risks.
8: I didn't bring you in here for a lecture, McMurdo. Then why did you? There's a job for you. And for you alone. I'll not have this one fail. What's the job?
7: Have a look at this. Was the window open like that when the body was found? Nothing's been touched, Mr. Holmes. We may not be Scotland Yard, but we know how to preserve a crime scene. Not being Scotland Yard's a distinct advantage. That's not Holmes. Is that blood? Yes, a partial footprint, man's boot. It seemed to me that someone stepped on the sill as he climbed out the window. But aren't we directly above the moat? Yes, we are. Uh, what else is there? Well, Mr Barker is adamant that the gun isn't from this house, the, the butler too. May I see the weapon? I had to move it so the local doctor could examine the body. The barrels have been sawn off short. Sure, never seen that before. Here. Uh, this
4: American practice makes it easier to conceal. The triggers have been wired together. Pull one and both cartridges fire. There's a
7: maker's monogram. Hmm?
4: Oh, yes. P-E-M.
7: means nothing to me, I'm afraid. Pennsylvania Small Arms Company. Thank you. Now, what more? Uh, This was found on the body, neatly tucked into the cord of the dressing
4: gown. Watson? Thank you. Plain white visiting card, rather cheap quality. Two words written in ink. VV341. Yeah.
8: Chester Wilcox, chief foreman of the Iron Dyke Company. We've had two tries at him already, but no luck. Now, look here. That's his house. It's well out of earshot of any of the others.
3: Out of earshot?
8: It could be a noisy business. There's a wife and three kids as well as the man himself. They're bound to raise a cry.
4: I'll pick him off at work, during the day.
8: No, no, you won't. He's expecting us to do just that. He's always on his guard. Then you're right. At home's best. After dark. How will you get him alone? I won't.
7: Thank you, Doctor. V.V. Someone's initials. There's no V.V. in the village. Now, Mr. Barker says that he. Mr. Barker seems to be saying quite a lot. Well, he very naturally took charge of things. Very naturally. Carry on. What does Mr Barker say? That he's never seen a card like it in the house before. Mm. Well, it certainly wasn't written with
4: any of these pens, no. Mr White Mason, so far you've given us a dead man, a gun, a visiting card and a bootmark. mark. Are they the sum total of your
7: perplexing features and extraordinary details? <laughs> they are not, Mr Holmes. The fatal shot was fired just before midnight. Mr Barker heard it and rushed to this room. He swears that not 30 seconds had passed, but he saw no one but the dead man. The drawbridge was raised. The house was effectively an island. The window was open, but the moat is 40 feet wide, and there are no signs of anyone having crossed it. Even if the killer did escape that way, there were village people still about. A stranger, especially one with soaking wet clothes, would have been seen at once. Mm, Presumably, you would have to search yourself. Straight away, doctor... And before you ask me, Mr. Holmes, we searched the house too. Our murderer effectively disappeared into thin air. It's not unique. Huddersfield
4: in 76, the Folkestone Slaughter in 69, half a hundred others.
7: I didn't say it was unique, sir. I said it was perplexing. You said it was extraordinary. I think
4: it needs rather more to put it into that category.
7: Oh, you think so, do you, Mr. Holmes? Then look at the dead man's hand. You see this ring? Unusual design. Is that gold?
4: It's called a nugget ring. A fragment of pure gold ore in a plain metal band. So that's what's the story of his past life in the gold fields.
7: Ah, there's more to it than that, Doctor. Everyone in the house swears that Douglas always wore that ring outside his wedding ring. What wedding ring? The wedding ring from his first marriage. The wedding ring that Barker says meant more to him than anything else in the world. The wedding ring that never, ever left his finger. The wedding ring that isn't there now. Exactly. What we have here is a murderer who kills his victim, removes both his rings, carefully puts one of them back, leaves his calling card, and then vanishes into thin air. And does it all inside the space of 30 seconds. Now, tell me, Mr. Holmes, what manner of man can do that? What manner of man, indeed.
3: Oh, that's fine. (laughs) That's very fine. <laughs>
5: In episode one of The Valley of Fear by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes was played by Clive Medicine and Doctor Watson by Michael Williams. John McMurdo, Ian Glenn. Inspector McDonald, Mark Bonner. White Mason, Timothy Bateson. Jack McGinty, Constantine Gregory. Jacob Shafter, Don McCorkindale. Etty Shafter, Amanda Gordon. Ted Baldwin, Stephen Critchlow. Mike Scanlon, Peter Gunn. Captain Marvin, Jonathan Keeble. The narrator was Ronald Pickup. Other parts were played by members of the cast. The pianist was Michael Haslam, the violinist, Abigail Young. The Valley of Fear is dramatized for radio by Bert Cools and directed by Enid Williams.